Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Well, we're part of something big, really big. You guys are part of something really big this morning. And you know there's some proud parents around too. Um, I'd render to guess that uh, every once in a while, some of these confirmands didn't actually pop up out of bed, ready, to, eager to get ready and go to church on Sunday morning. So we're grateful for parents that urge their children in the Lord. And that's exactly what we are uh, talking about this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As we hear from the Word of God, I do encourage you to have it open on your lap or, or on your screen, and it'll be on the screens in front of you as we receive the Word of the Lord together. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7b to 13. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. Lord, we thank You for Your Holy Word. We thank You for Your Word and Your Spirit. How Your Word not only reaches to us, but it reaches through us and changes our hearts. So, Lord, be with us as we accept this challenge this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have to say I'm so happy that that's the passage for this morning, uh, to be reading this passage, because... As a pastor, I don't, I don't really allow Mother's Day, Father's Day to change the series of teaching, so I can't tell you how many times I have stood up on a Mother's Day in front of all these sweet women with their children and grandchildren gathered around in hopeful expectation and opened some passage about, you know, sin and peril and whatever else. But this is perfect. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you. Perfect. We are embedded as a church. Your presence is God's purpose. There's meaning and purpose in every place where you are. You go nowhere by accident. And today we see the next challenge in being embedded and faithful, and that's urging the children, urging our children to follow Jesus? How do we stay faithful and embedded? And how do we keep our children faithful? 
in a world that opposes godly values, that seems to, to promote confusion? How do we keep our children faithful? The gospel doesn't move from generation to generation by accident. It takes energy. It takes intention. Kids don't meet Christ without parents or, or active adult leaders to show them the way. It struck me this week that some of our greatest parachurch ministries that we're very involved in here in this church were designed just for this need, young life, to reach kids for Christ. Focus on the family. Focusing on the family. Even compassion is about, is about reaching kids around the world. We need help. We need help to get this done. I love the verse in Psalm 71, 18. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are... Can we read that together as a church? Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Don't forsake me, God. God, don't let me check out until my kids check in. Amen? Amen. And we need help. We need help to urge the children. We are going to reach the next generation for Christ. You would think that by the fourth child I would be an expert in parenting. Sorry. Parenting is, is hard. Either you overdo it or you underdo it. You know, it's, you can't get it cooked just right. Parenting is tough. Either you're too strict or you're too lenient. Either you're too attentive or, or you're ignoring your kids. Either you over-parent, helicopter parenting or, or our generation's version of that, the drone parenting. <laughs> and you're always hovering and your child uh, hardly learns how to make a decision on their own, or you underparent and your child kind of wanders through with very little wisdom or guidance. You, you can't get it right. I, I, I don't offer you a solution. There's no hope. I offer only despair. <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way? But there is hope. There is hope. We have biblical guidance, we have biblical principles to lay down some guardrails, to lay down some direction, but then each of us, uh, there's no sure and certain way, is there? There's no way to solve it. There, it's each of us, we have to deal with our own children and we have to deal with them as ourselves, as individual parents. We have to find the way forward. One thing I would say, though, is this, have a strategy, have a strategy. Whether your strategy is to, to gather the kids in a formal way, to, to gather children at home and to make home a church of sorts, to have family chapel or to, to catechize your children, there's a new front of catechizing children. Tim Keller has launched the New City Catechism. It's a wonderful app. You can ask kids questions of faith and let them learn answers of faith. If that's your strategy, I say go for it. 
I had lunch with a man who reflected to me that he grew up with family chapel every morning. And, and I said, how was that for you? He said, I loved it. I couldn't wait to hear my dad open the next psalm and read it in front of us as a family. If that's your strategy, go at it. Or you might be uh, more of a, a softer touch. Your strategy may be more low-key, but still keeping the priority of Jesus in the forefront of your family. As James K.A. Smith says, there is an unspoken vibe carried in our daily rituals. Every household has a hum of the constant background noise generated by our routines and rhythms. Maybe your strategy is just to keep the routines and rhythms of your family, of your home, directed to an ever-growing love for God and for neighbor. That's a strategy. Go for it. Guard it. Go after it with intent. But have a strategy. Trust your children to God and trust your children to Jesus Christ. He is reaching the next generation. He will reach the next generation. He has never failed to do so. And you can trust your children to God, have a strategy, move into it with confidence, include plenty of prayer, be ready to shift, include plenty of grace, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, parents. But the one who should be afraid is the parent who simply has no strategy at all hasn't given it any thought at all. The parents that assume that our children will grow up loving the Lord just because we, we love the Lord, that assume that faith will migrate down to the next generation without any intentionality or sacrifice or work on my part. If that's where you are, if that describes where you are, where you've been, let me lovingly challenge you. Think again. Before you know it, you'll be standing in front of your adult child and you'll be trying to say, son, God is more important. God is more important than soccer. And your son will say, well, what do you mean? If that's true, then how come every time my team needed me on the soccer field and and that competed with Sunday worship, We found ourselves on the soccer field. You'll be trying to say, son, God is more important than football. God is more important than than other pursuits in the world. God is more important than skiing. Some of these I want you to know cut right back my direction. Your child will say, well, we didn't live that way, you see. Your words will just kind of roll out of their ears like so much uh, fluid from an ear infection. (laughs) Sorry, that's gross. That's gross. But you young parents have got to know there's a lot of fluid involved in raising kids. A lot. Your words, your words they'll, they'll ring empty because every time God came up against something else, 
Something else won. You say, that's important, but this always wins. And your kids aren't listening to how you talk about the game. Your kids are watching how you play the game. And you won't be able to convince them. Are you living your values in front of your kids? Who is it that's going to come into your kid's life? Where are they going to learn that God is more important if they don't learn it from watching you? Don't count on their soccer coach. Don't count on their buddies. The university professor is unlikely to help you in this regard. Really, friends, some counterculturalism is called for if we are going to raise our kids in the Lord. We've got to set a different pattern. Are you living out your values in front of your children? But that's enough uh, guilt for any Mother's Day morning, isn't it? (laughs) We want to be embedded and faithful, and we want the same for our kids. As Paul encouraged the, the Thessalonian church, we want to be ready to stand for Christ in a world that denies Him so that we can be models, we can be examples, not pulled out and set aside, but inserted, embedded to be models of following Christ, embedded to change the whole by being a part. So Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, words inspired by the Holy Spirit, words we now know were inspired by God and are the holy word of God. Paul used a few parenting ideas just to illustrate what faithful ministry, what faithful Christianity is all about. So we're going to flip that around this morning. We're just going to ask and study what was being assumed, what did Paul assume about being a mother, being a father, and we're going to talk about that this morning. And from these passages, we draw four aspects of Christian parenting. Now, there's, there's so much in the Bible about, about parenting, but before us, we have four things that we can learn, and it's this. A Christian parent cares, encourages, comforts, and urges. Let's go through all four. First, care. Look at verses 7 to 8. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well. Love and care as a mother for a nursing child. That's tender. That's that's intimate. That's sharing life, deep love, deep caring, sharing not only the gospel but our lives as well. Not only the gospel. Now, the gospel is never an only, is it? The gospel is eternal life found in Jesus Christ. But the challenge is can we share our lives along with the message? Not just share news of Christ's victory, but share our lives. The adage in in ministry is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true for me and true for anywhere that you're trying to, to share the gospel. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But you know that's also true in our parenting. It's true in our parenting. We have to show caring. Let's not be among those uh, bloggers who, who, who say, 
the moment I got my smartphone was the moment I, I never had to pay attention to my kids again. Let's raise a generation that knows they're cared for, they're loved. Let's let our kids know caring. Number two, Paul talks not only about uh, mothers but fathers. And look at verse 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging. And that's number two, encourage. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. Wouldn't you like to hear your children say that you were their primary encourager? Wouldn't you like the kids in this church to say that every time they, they came and they left church, they felt encouraged, built up, valuable, ready to face it? They felt encouraged. Let's be encouragers. Number three, comfort. A good parent, a good adult exercising influence on a child. You see, this isn't just for Christian parents. This is for any who are, who are in a position of influencing the next generation for Christ. Any of you who are leading or teaching or someone younger is looking up to you. See, this is for every one of us. Third is comfort. Can we offer comfort? Uh, we're tempted to... Uh, Toughen our kids up a little bit sometimes. In the McConnell household, a, a scrape or a bruise or a cut, that's not an uncommon occurrence. And so we'll often yell, you know, well, is it bleeding? <laughs> no? You'll be fine. Just rub some mud on it and go on. <laughs> but a child needs comfort, you know when a child bumps up against something hard, when a child is feeling bruised, they need to crawl up on, on your lap and no comfort. Let's be full of comfort. And then fourth, urging, urging. This one is a little more energetic. It's a little more active. It's a little more directive. We have a responsibility to teach the next generation the way of Christ. We need to urge them, to direct them, to guide them. There's no love in failing to offer guidance, even exhortation, to push your kid in the right direction. They need it. They need it. You say, son, listen, I know you don't like to hear everything I have to say. I know you don't like everything that I say to you, but I'm your father. I, I'm 30 years older than you are. I'm 35 years older than you. I've been through a lot. The Lord has shown me a lot. I've been through ups and downs, and I have wisdom, and I'm your father, and I have a duty and a responsibility to raise you up in the Lord and to show you the right way and to reveal to you that you ought to go in the way of life, not down a road that may lead you to regret. So please, son, please, make the pee-pee in the potty and let's, 
let's move on with our day, right? <laughs> That's how my speeches went. <laughs> it gets a little harder as they get older, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But the principle's the same. We have a responsibility, a duty. Don't lay it down. Don't lay it down. It's a sacred trust to raise our children up in the Lord. Let's urge our children in the right direction. Why? Why? Because we long for the greatest reward. And Paul says to his friends, the greatest reward is this. It's in verse 13. Look at it together. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word. You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. What do we long for the most? What do we pray for the most? What do I pray for the most for my children? I pray that they would receive the word of God, not as a word from my mouth, not as my words, not as the words of any human being, but as it actually is the holy word of God, God speaking to them and they hearing from God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I know that God is at work in you who believe. That's the greatest reward, that our children would know the word of God as they believe. Lord. Let it be. But let me make a point in the opposite direction now. Let's, uh, let's flip the pancake for just a minute and cook the other side. That's for all of you who are up early flipping pancakes this morning. Because most of the teaching in the Bible about this relationship, it actually doesn't direct itself to how to parent well. Most of the teaching about this relationship is about how to be good children. What's the fifth commandment? And how do you read it? Exodus 20, 12, the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. It isn't above all else do everything in life to please little, little junior. It isn't above all else give everything away to, to do whatever it takes uh, for, for little Johnny, little Betty, no, no, no. Honor your father and mother. Kids, there's a response. Children, there's a responsibility. Children from the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room, there's a responsibility. Honor your father and mother. You see, it, it isn't down to how your parents perform. It's down to you, will you honor your father and mother? What will you do to honor your father and your mother? Youth, as you, uh, teenagers, as you push out into the world and you want to try everything, you want to try everything on your own, find your own path, that's right. God's calling you out to be your own person and to be everything that he's planned for you to be. At the same time, how will you honor your father and your mother? If your father says home at 10, it's home at 10. I didn't hear an amen on that. <laughs> How will you honor your father and your mother? Those of us who are older, 
How do you honor your father and your mother as they go into old age? Do you, do you turn from them? Do you dismiss them? No. Honor your father and mother. We have a responsibility and a duty, and it goes both ways. Care, encourage, comfort, and urge the children, and then honor your father and mother. Is that all there is to this question? No, no way, no way. There's plenty more. But that's what we have in the Scripture before us this morning, and we're grateful. But the final truth is this. We can't live up to it anyway. Let it all be pervaded with grace. Because I don't know about you, but either direction I think about it, I know it's too big for me. It's too big. I don't know at all that I'm going to be a successful parent. It's a huge responsibility. And I know for sure that I can't honor the fifth commandment through and through. I know I can't. Just like every aspect of the law, it it breaks me down. I know I can't live up to that. And so I feel the despair of what it means to do things right and just how far I am from it. But listen, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus has done it for us. Jesus is the perfect Father. Jesus is the perfect parent, not just in being one with God the Father in heaven, the heavenly Father, but in being our our spiritual Father, our spiritual progenitor, the one who calls us into being in faith and into eternal life. Jesus is the perfect parent, perfect in love, caring, encouragement, direction, perfect in guidance, perfect in every way. I can't be the perfect son. I can't. I can't do it. If you're ready to be the perfect son, step forward. But listen, Jesus is the perfect son, perfect in honor, perfect in obedience, the perfect son. We can't do it. We can't do it either way. But Jesus is the parent we can never be. Jesus is the son, the perfect, obedient child. Jesus fulfills what we cannot. So let His grace pervade every relationship. Let His grace pervade and know that we do have hope. Our hope is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You this morning that our hope is in You. For all the gaps we leave behind, Lord, in all of our relationships, You're able to fill. For all the ways that we fail, Lord, by the things that we do wrong and the things that we fail to do right, Lord Jesus, You're enough. Your grace is enough to cover all shortcomings. You can move in, Lord, and and redeem and heal and fill every gap. So we pray, Lord, for Your grace to pervade every person here this morning, that they would know your love and your redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.